Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Sunday liquor sales legal in Minnesota, 4th of July safety, and new T-Wolves forward Jimmy Butler. But first... Significant developments this week as attorneys for both sides squared off in court over the lawsuit GOP lawmakers filed against Governor Dayton for cutting off the legislature's operating funds effective July 1st. Dayton, upset that Republicans pressured him into signing a tax cut bill with provisions he didn't like, said he'd restore funding for the House and Senate only if GOP legislators reverse several tax cuts just enacted, plus make other concessions. MNN's Bill Werner covered Monday's court hearing and joins us now. It wasn't just a lawsuit in court this week, was it, Bill? No, that's right, Scott. In an interesting twist, just at the end of the week before, Dayton and Republicans both asked the court to extend funding for the legislature through October 1st, presumably to give them more time to try to work out an agreement, even as the judge considers a ruling on the lawsuit itself. The key issue in this court case, did Dayton violate the separation of powers article in the Minnesota Constitution by vetoing funding for the legislature? House Speaker Kurt Dowd's answer is yes. He's simply using the line item veto of of defunding the legislature as leverage to try to get us to do something that he wants us to do. And I'm sorry, that's the part that, that makes this unconstitutional. Ramsey County District Judge John Guthman asked that very question of the governor's attorney, Sam Hansen. If at any point a governor's perpetual and continuous vetoing of funding for the legislature would be unconstitutional. Only if it's not an item of appropriation. So the governor could abolish the legislature? No, because the legislature can come in for funding from this court for its critical core functions. Republicans' attorney Doug Kelly argued the governor's vetoes are unconstitutional because Dayton is cutting funding to coerce the legislature into reversing tax cuts that he does not object to the funding level for the legislature in and of itself. This is, I am going to reach across and I'm going to obliterate you in order to have a better negotiating position going forward. Dayton's attorney responded Republicans did basically the same thing when they put a so-called poison pill in a tax cut bill to try to force the governor to sign it. Another question, how long could the deadlock between Dayton and Republicans last if the court extends funding for the legislature? Judge Guthman asked Dayton attorney Hansen about that. Would that mean then that as long as the court provides temporary funding for the legislature, this impasse could last the rest of Governor Dayton's term. It could. And be perfectly consistent with the Constitution. It it wouldn't be the hope. It could. Less than 24 hours after the court hearing, the judge granted Dayton and Republicans' request, extending funding for the legislature through October 1st or until they get agreement, whichever is sooner. But a key point, says Hamlin University professor David Schultz, is how the judge approved the request. The judge treated the stipulation as a request for an injunction from the state legislature and granted that injunction. Now, why is that important? Because in granting an injunction, uh, there are five factors that Minnesota courts must consider um, in terms of, of granting them. And one of them is, um, are you more likely than not um, to prevail on the merits? And part of what the judge said today in reading through this opinion was, uh, was saying that, yes, when this case gets argued on the merits, it is probably more likely than not that the legislature is actually going to win. 
That's Hamlin University Professor David Schultz. So, Scott, one strategy that people are speculating about here at the Capitol is that Republicans could do a bow and a curtsy to negotiations with the governor, just biding their time until the judge rules, maybe sometime this summer, on their lawsuit against Dayton thinking that they'll get what they want regardless. And again, we're left waiting as the clock ticks. Thank you for that report, Bill. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Sometimes a simple idea can be developed into something big that can change the world. This is Katy Perry. In fourth grade, my music teacher helped me make a vision board. It was a collage that represented all of my hopes and aspirations in music. But what if my teacher didn't have the supplies we needed to make our collages? What if I never got the chance to learn and express my dreams? Unfortunately, that's the reality our teachers face every day. They're forced to spend their own money, sometimes just to keep the classroom running. That's why I'm teaming up again with Staples for Students to donate $1 million to DonorsChoose.org, a charity that helps teachers get what they need to bring learning to life for students. DonorsChoose.org has helped fulfill more than 700,000 classroom projects benefiting more than 18 million students. It's an idea that's changing the world. It's easy to help. Donate in Staples stores or learn more at staplesforstudents.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. It's time that we change this law, bringing Minnesota liquor laws into the 21st century. Sunday liquor sales proponent Republican Representative Jennifer Loon will get her wish as of July 2nd when Sunday liquor sales are legal in Minnesota. After many tries over the course of many years, the state legislature this past session passed a bill allowing Sunday sales after much debate. On the Senate side, the bill's author, Republican Senator Jeremy Miller of Winona, said the time for the change is now. This is the strongest grassroots effort by the people that I've seen during my time in the Senate. But Senate Minority Leader Tom Bach of Cook voted no on lifting the ban, saying the extra overhead will hurt mom-and-pop stores. All across rural Minnesota, the big boxes and the regional centers are changing our little rural communities and they will never be the same again. Sunday liquor sales remains a divisive issue. I recently spoke with Tom Chesick, executive director of the Minnesota Licensed Beverage Association, who has long been opposed to lifting the ban. Well, generally speaking, um, I can start off by saying I know of one city in the state of Minnesota that has decided to not open on Sunday, and that was Ely, Minnesota. Um, there may be others, Scott, but I'm aware of Ely, um, I believe the three off-premise establishments in Ely um, went to the city council and the mayor, and, and they all agreed that Sunday was not the day they wanted to be open, and the city agreed and went with the license holders on their decision. Um, other than Ely, I don't know of any other license, uh, uh, any other city that has said no to the Sunday sales uh, initiative that went through this past legislative session. Um, the bigger picture, it's, it's a big concern of the association. Um, the extra day of business, um, is going to be an added cost, which for an independent retailer is could be significant, um, especially if they've only got a few employees that have to cover those shifts. They may have to hire an additional person to cover that Sunday. Um, the added cost to an independent retailer is, they said, could be substantial. Uh, the big box folks, um, Target, Cub, uh, Festival Foods, uh, Total Wine and More, for that matter, they've got um, more resources to staff on a Sunday when they normally hadn't had the staff on a Sunday. 
You know, proponents of Sunday liquor sales have said, look, the way the law is written, if you don't want to be open on Sunday, you don't have to be open. Is that, is that a valid argument? No, I, 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 it, was, it was clever on their part to, to, to pull that out. Um, I, it's, it's a situation where uh, most business models are competitive, and if the guy down the road's open, you kind of have to be open because you don't want to lose that sale. The unfortunate part is, is that, you know, when Colorado flipped the Sunday sales, we keep going back to Colorado on these numbers. I mean, the sales were up 1%. And, and, and when you look at any survey that's done, you have a margin of error of sometimes 4 to 5%. So 1% increase in sales on um, the first year Sunday sales was open is, is almost an incalculable number. Um, how they came up with 1%, I don't know. Was the economy better that year that they flipped? Or was it a bad economy year? That has to be taken to affect weather. There's so many determining factors in why people buy more alcohol, but it's been proven that when you do open up one more day for alcohol sales, your sales do not increase. Um, when you spread it over seven days, you just, the buying habits of people in Minnesota have been this way for a long time since Prohibition that they plan ahead. Well, now you don't have to plan ahead. Um, it's, it's, I liken it to when, when the bar industry changed, Scott, from 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. bar closing. Uh, what my bar members told me is that instead of people going out, say, at 7 o'clock p.m., because the bar closed at 1 o'clock. They went out at 8 p.m. Um, they just, you know, one more hour. They wasn't necessarily one more hour of drinking, just meant folks didn't have to go out as early um, to get the bar closed. And I think this is the situation that's going to happen in Minnesota. You may see an initial spike in sales, um, and a lot of my folks are, are, are kind of ramping up for it. It's the first time that Sunday sales have been allowed of alcohol in a long time, and I think it's, it's going to be a bit of an event the first Sunday or two. Um, but I think quickly after the first Sunday or two, the sales are going to flatten off and people are going to realize that moment's going to make a whole lot more money um, because you're open one more day. Another one of the arguments that lawmakers who were in favor of the Sunday sales made was, look, this is just the time to do it. It's the 21st century. This is the time. What do you say to those folks? Well, I don't know. I, I think alcohol is, I mean, alcohol is not balloons, bubblegum, and popcorn, Scott. It's a controlled substance. And I think when you've got states like Minnesota that regulate it as closely as we do, um, our alcohol-related incidents compared to other states that have more liberal liquor laws, um, it's, 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 a, it's a proven fact that Minnesota's tightly controlled liquor regulations um, benefit society in, in a number of ways. Was it the time to do it? Apparently it was because it passed, Scott. I mean, last year we nearly uh, defeated the Sunday sale bill. This year um, uh, we thought we had it beat to a certain extent, but... Public pressure came, and the legislators that had typically voted with us in the past um, felt that constituent pressure, and they voted against us um, and against the initiative of the MLBA in this situation. But um, was it the time to do it? Apparently it was. Um, I just don't think it's going to benefit the state of Minnesota. David Rupert owns Fifth Street Liquor in Winona, being right near the Wisconsin border. He has mixed feelings about Sunday sales. Where we're located on the border states with Wisconsin, we have so much tax revenue and our revenue that goes over there on the week on Sundays that uh, I have to be open. I, like I said, I don't really want to be, but I have to be, and I, uh, I'm, I'm for it for that reason. And how much of, of an imposition to you and your business might it be to have to be open for that extra day? Because that's one of the arguments of folks that were against uh, lifting the ban is that it would, uh, it would place an undue burden on uh, owners like yourself. Uh, not really for our our business because we have a lot of family that works here, and then I have 
uh, people that just want to work a few hours a week, and it kind of works out good. I have one lady that's going to work on Sundays all the time because uh, she said that's fine with her. And uh, yeah, it's not it's not hard for us to get people to work. None of us want to work on Sunday, but uh, I do have people that will work on Sunday for us. So. And you did mention the proximity to Wisconsin. How much of a boost to business do you think it will be to be open on Sundays moving forward? Well, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be a big boost. I don't know if it's going to hurt our Saturday sales because now they don't have to worry about, you know, stocking up on Saturday. Uh, but I know uh, we had a, uh, one of our councilmen went over to the liquor store across the river on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and he counted 28 cars from Minnesota over there. So, you know, I know there's a lot of them going over there on Sunday. So hopefully, uh, I don't know if it's going to help our business, but there's like a bunch of liquor stores here in Winona that uh, I think we're going to be okay with it, as long as they have that limited hours of 11 to 6. If it was all day, that would just be a nightmare. And have you heard from customers since the, the, the law lifting the ban was passed? Oh, yeah, they're all for it. <laughs> I've had so many people, when are you going to be open? When are you going to be open? It remains to be seen if that enthusiasm holds up in the weeks, months, and years ahead and what kind of impact Sunday sales will have on liquor stores throughout the state. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The 4th of July holiday is here, and with that comes numerous celebrations, fireworks, and parades. Tasha Radel has more. 
That's right, Scott. Even though the 4th of July is surrounded by fun, it's also a time when we see an increase in firework-related emergency room visits. Joining me now is Dan Hauser with the Minnesota Medical Association. Dan, I understand this holiday really has Minnesota emergency rooms on high alert. Yeah, we uh, we are, every year we're we're always concerned about uh, the number of people that show up in emergency departments in hospitals uh, with injuries uh, when they have uh, been you know inadvertently set off a firework that doesn't do what they intended to do and. And it, it just it really concerns the association. We've actually uh, talked about this uh, uh, policy for, for many years, uh, back into the mid-'90s, where if we had our way, uh, commercial fireworks wouldn't be available uh, to everyday consumers. It's, it's just too dangerous. Um, according to uh, the latest data uh, from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, uh, which uh, was released uh, from 2015 data, uh, nearly 12,000 injuries were treated in emergency departments uh, uh, because of fireworks-related uh, injuries. So um, about a quarter of those uh, are involved children uh, under the age of 15. So that is, uh, you know, obviously very concerning uh, to the physicians in Minnesota, and uh, we just would. You know, we really, if we had our way, we'd really just uh, leave the fireworks uh, in, in the hands of the professionals who are trained and know how to handle them safely. Thanks again to my guest, Dan Hauser, with the Minnesota Medical Association. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Joining me now is Pat Arndt with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Pat, I understand the DNR is offering a number of fun family events over the 4th of July holiday. Correct. Absolutely, Tasha. I am so glad you brought that up. So even if you're not camping at a state park, there are lots of activities around the state. So if you're going up to stay at the cabin or stay at a resort, check out the events that are going on at a state park near you. And again, you can go online to mndnr.gov and then take a look at the online calendar, and you can search by geography, you can search by topic. We've got some really fun things going on, like Bruce the Bug Guy is going to be at Wild River State Park. Live mammals out at St. Croix. There's live music at Itasca. There's a 4th of July flotilla down the Tamarack River at Big Bog State Recreation Area. That's just a sampling of all the different types of programs that we have around the state. And something else to consider is doing a go go underground. Um, I've heard that it's going to get kind of warm in some parts of the state this weekend. Um, If you go to Mystery Cave, which is in southern Minnesota, or if you take a tour at Sudan Underground Mine uh, up in northern Minnesota, the temperature when you go underground is a constant 50 degrees. So even if it's 90 degrees outside, you'll find yourself grabbing a sweater or sweatshirt when you go underground. And Pat, for those Minnesotans wanting to escape all the loud booms and bangs and 4th of July hoopla, you have the perfect place. Minnesota State Parks and Recreation Areas offer a firework-free environment for those who want to celebrate the holidays in peace and quiet. And if you just go on to our DNR website, mnadnr.gov, and uh, just search for the Summer Guide in Parks and Trails, and it'll head you right in the direction of those very quiet locations. But all of our state parks are firework-free. 
Thanks again to both my guests, Dan Hauser with the Minnesota Medical Association and Pat Arndt with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Have a happy and safe 4th of July. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. We asked kids what it took to be a dad. This is what they had to say. A father is always present. I mean, what, father, what real father figure can you have if they're not there? In order to be a good dad, you need to love Love your son, you need to put gas in your car so you don't break down in the middle of nowhere. And you need to make some breakfast. Yep. I mean, just to maybe um, play, like, a board game with me or to just stay home and play um, some video games with me. Just to do, like, that one little thing is what I really look forward to. I'm not asking him to be a perfect dad, but he should try. He's just a constant force in my life. There's no other type of love like a dad's love because it's not comparable to anything else. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Timberwolves used a blockbuster NBA draft night trade to thrust themselves into the Minnesota sports headlines for over a week. The team sent young players Zach Levine and Chris Dunn, along with the number 7 overall pick in the draft, to the Chicago Bulls. In exchange, Minnesota got the 16th pick in the draft and chose Justin Patton. But the marquee piece in the trade was the arrival of three-time All-Star forward Jimmy Butler to Minnesota. Butler averaged 24 points per game last season in the Windy City. The radio voice of the Timberwolves, Alan Horton, recently sat down with Butler. Here now is their conversation. Jimmy, welcome to Minnesota. How does it feel to be a member of the Wolves? It feels great. Uh, you know, a new home to be wanted here and to put on for this city now. I'm fortunate. Um, I'm looking forward to it, I can tell you that. Take me back to draft day last week. You were actually in Paris. How much are you, were you aware of the trade rumors and then how did you find out about uh, finally joining the Timberwolves? I was very much aware of all the trade rumors. But my name was in so many different uh, situations with different teams that I didn't pay it any mind until uh, my agent Bernie Lee decided to call me. I was playing spades with uh, Carmelo, was my partner, was beating up on D Wade and Gab, and broke the great news to me that I was now a Minnesota Timberwolf. You know, I'm I'm happy with that, and that is exactly how it happened. And we won in spades that night, so it was a win-win all the way around. It's all good. How do you feel about joining a young team with a couple of guys, a former Rookie of the Year award winners, and Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns? How do you feel like you fit in with them? I think you got three really talented guys on this roster, along with some, some other ones, but the ones that you just named, definitely. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. They can teach me probably as much as I can teach them. Um, you know, I think a lot of things change, but I want them to know that they go out there and be the best that they can be on both ends of this floor. Nothing else changes. We're here to win games. We're here to play as a team. And I just want everybody to play hard, man, and, and, and win, because we can definitely, definitely do that. Anytime uh, talented players get together on one team, I think people want to know whose team is it, who's the leader. Does that matter? How do you look at that? I don't, I don't play that game anymore. That was so far behind. I don't talk about whose team it is, who's the face of anything. Uh, we're all on a, a level ground. We're all here for one goal, and that's to bring a championship to this city. Um, I think we're going to be locked in to that. Uh, it doesn't matter whose team or da-da-da-da, none of that. Um, we're one team, and that's how we're going to look at it. 
you rejoin your former head coach and Tom Thibodeau. You guys are from different generations, different backgrounds, but it seems like you're on the same page when it comes to the way to play the game, the mentality you have to have. Is that is that accurate? Very much so. Um, I think he goes about the game real professionally, studying the game night in and night out, um, the opponent, even studying your own team. Uh, I do the same thing. I do it every day during the summer. Um, now it's, it's switched over because I'm on a new team now, but I will get to study in these guys to the best of my ability to help this team win. I think that's why they have me here. So for the best of my ability, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that I put us in a great position to win games. Now what have you found is the key to playing the type of defense that Tibbs wants? You just got to be locked in. You got to be ready to go for however many minutes he asks you to play for. Um, know the schemes and, and, and know who you're guarding, uh, but play hard play hard and I think everything else takes care of itself. When you were drafted in Chicago, Lou Waldang took you kind of under his wing. Um, he was entering his eighth year at the time. You're now in your seventh year. Are there some things that Lou Wall helped you with that you can pass along to some of your younger teammates? Of course. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that you can teach a lot of different guys at a lot of different positions. But uh, with that being said, I just want these guys to understand I'm here to help. Um, you know, I'll be the best that I can be on and off of this floor. Um, it's a you know new era, like they say around here, but we're going we're going to lock in. We're going to get this thing done. Um, I'm here to show guys the way, but I need them to to be right there with me. You've improved your game every single season. How have you been able to do that? When I'm not on the camera, when I'm not on the TV, I'm working. Um, I take pride in that. I love what I do. Um, this game has brought me so much that it's fun. Um, I wake up every morning smiling because I get to work. I get a chance to get better every single day. And it's the same thing now. Um, that's what I'm doing. Even when I'm on the road in Paris or wherever I may be, I have my trainers. I have my people with me to make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. All right, you've been in the Twin Cities for a couple of days now. You've hung out with the Twins over at uh, Target Field, U.S. Bank Stadium. Got to meet Vikings, Everson, Griffin. What's it, what's it been like? Uh, how's Minnesota treated you so a far? A lot of love. A lot of love. Um, they've embraced me already. Uh, now is my time to return that favor. As soon as this season um, gets underway, I got to show them what I can do for this city. We have to show them what we can do for this city. And I think they're looking forward to that. Um, this city's so stoked right now. And I got, a, I got a little tricks up my, my sleeve, so I'm ready to go. After this whirlwind week, uh, how do you approach the rest of the offseason? Same way I always do. Wake up, train at 5.30 in the morning, um, eat some lunch, eat some breakfast, play some dominoes, and get back to work, man. That's, that's what I've always known. It's the only thing I know what, how to do. And uh, just be me around my guys. And I'm sure you all see them plenty as well. But I'm working. I can promise you that. Jimmy, appreciate the time. Best of luck. Thank you. That's new Timberwolves forward Jimmy Butler with the radio voice of the Timberwolves, Alan Horton. Switching gears now, it's the week after release of the shocking video of the Philando Castile shooting, and Bill Werner, like many Minnesotans and Americans, can't get it out of his mind. Today, our private lives in our cars. Last week, officials released a horrifying video from the dash camera of the squad car of an officer who had pulled over a motorist for having a taillight out. Millions have now seen it, and it is nothing at all like reality TV. A man, his girlfriend, and her daughter returning from an errand on a summer evening on the same street I myself have driven down many times. Perhaps you have too. But after all the scientific analysis and investigations, the court arguments, testimony, and finally 
the deliberations of 12 women and men, good and true, we still are not 100% certain what happened inside that vehicle, behind its closed doors, and inside the minds of those in that car, and those outside looking in. Sir, I have to tell you, I do have a okay. firearm on okay. me. Don't reach for it, then. Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. The law treats our automobiles differently than our homes, but we use both in much the same way, and actually may be more intimately connected to our vehicles than to even our living rooms. And so, seeing bags of groceries on a back seat splattered with blood is frightening indeed. How much of our time we spend in these vehicles going to and from duty and dream? and how they somehow become part of us, even as we slowly absorb the American road into ourselves. It is no wonder that many people cry when finally deciding to send that worn-out old friend off to the junkyard. In my case, it was a 1976 Chevrolet Impala, beetle green in color. How many discoveries and accomplishments are carried in our cars? And how many failures? How many dreams taken on? And how many given up? And how many lives changed forever when something goes wrong in our rolling living room? Bill Werner on the Minnesota News Network. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.